Hi folks and welcome to Wait for Cat Bus, a conversational podcast where four friends gather around the kitchen table to rank and review every single Studio Ghibli movie in chronological order. As always, I'm your host Ali and today I'm joined by Eddie. Oh hey! Abby. Hi. And Mark. Hello. How's everybody doing slash feeling mm. today? Good. Emotional. Got some chocolate on your arm, Ed, you got that off? Oh. I got it, I licked it Licked it off, lovely. That's not why I'm emotional, just <laughs> to clarify. It's why I'm emotional. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you live with. Yeah. Oh. So today we are going to talk about uh, The Wind Rises, which came out in 2013. Um, it's a kind of historical um, biopic, biopic? However you want to say that word, I never know. Biopeach. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a historical biopeach um, by Maizaki um, about um, Jiro Horikoshi, who was a um, kind of really famous uh, uh, aeronautical aeroplane uh, engineer um, for Japan from the beginning of the Second World War. Um, he is the guy that designed the Mitsubishi A6M Zero. Ah, is yes, a, my favourite plane. Uh, <laughs> a really famous um, fighter jet in um kind of Japanese military history um and he is like kind of like a renowned he's like a well-known figure in in kind of fiction in Japan so um the movie is part based on um a, 1930, a, a book from 1937 um which that book was then subsequently adapted into a manga by Maizaki um, and this film is kind of like his second pass at it I love like Miyazaki, not content with just being a filmmaker, also does manga as well. Like yeah, double threat. A double threat, exactly. Probably does some other good stuff. Probably as well, yeah. Yeah. Beekeeper. What? Triple threat. <laughs> <laughs> Big three. Big it's four. Famous, famous for his Hula Hoop. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one of the interesting things, I guess, before we jump into like the plot and the stuff that we kind of normally do, is that this um, at the time was Miyazaki's like hailed as Miyazaki's like last film. So he announced um, that he was going to be retiring immediately after it um, and handing over the reins to um, Goro's son and Takahata, um, Takahata was going to finish some stuff off. But this was kind of like, at the point, was like seen as like the kind of handing off of the reins to um, the younger generation of filmmakers in Studio Ghibli, many of whom we've kind of like seen come up over the last, you know, 18 odd movies. Um, obviously that didn't happen. Um, Maizaki is one of, those, one, yeah, one of those creators that kind of like, it comes in and out of retirement whenever he pleases. Whenever he gets a, like, a new good idea, he's like, "Oh, actually, um, I want to do that instead." So That's he's fine. he's yeah yeah I'm I'm, happy with yeah that. he's currently out of retirement. Um, but this movie definitely, I think you can read it or kind of read it as like a swan song for him, um, given that like its themes and it's obviously like a story that he's really familiar with and, and wants to tell, um, given that he's obviously adapted it before. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. Um, it's also worth noting that this is the last Miyazaki movie that we'll be doing as of this day, um, because his his kind of directed and written film subsequent to this, whose name I've forgotten, is due out in 2020. Um, but taking into account how long we've been recording these podcasts and not releasing them, yes, you that's never very know. True, we could be here in, in a year's time. Um, Two years, three years, maybe four. Um, so yeah, that just thought I'd give that some context there, because I think it's quite interesting mm. that like to think of this to kind of be in the mind frame of like this is his last movie um, kind of definitely shapes the way it, it comes across well do you know what he originally was going to be making instead of this no Ponyo 2 really yeah and then um, Suzuki Toshio was not keen and was like I have absolutely I have absolutely no interest in sequels I'm interested in new themes if I not if not I have no motivation um, and yeah so then they, they decided to do Wind Rises who so was he to he, say that he probably did one mm. he was what <laughs> who was that guy 
Do we know who that guy is? I don't is? know. I said his name in confidence because I feel like it's maybe just another name that I've forgotten. <laughs> um, and I, maybe it's, that person is like a lead animator or another I'm like guessing it was creative, creative lead. Creative yeah. um, I give it It's time. not just like the boy that makes the teas. Yeah. <laughs> We've probably talked about him in length, I reckon. Yeah. Um, and also, it's probably safe to say he was not a part of the Cat Returns team. Yes. Right. Um, sequel. Yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. It, He's returned. There's a lot. It, a lot in this movie, like I, um, I mean, we kind of had to, had to stop doing this, but I think it's worth saying that the three, so me, um, Eddie and Abby has all seen this one before. Yeah. It's the first one, mm-hmm. first one of like the new set that I, I'd seen. Is um, it the only one that you've seen in the cinema as well? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's a, a film that I was like relatively familiar with, but didn't really like, I can remember like the core bits of it, but I kind of, I like, didn't forget that like, it's not really a linear story or. Like, which is, like, has these kind of like big dreamy breaks in between um, chunks of, of uh, his life. Yeah, um, I distinctly remember being quite uh, underwhelmed the first time I saw yeah. it. I don't know whether that was because, like, back then when I wasn't uh, watching Studio Ghibli films for either university assignments or um, podcasts. Whatever this is. <laughs> Whatever Did this you forget <laughs> the name of what we are doing? I forget a lot of things. Uh, who are you? Who's My it? name is um, Suzuki. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, you should let him do Ponyo too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think when I wasn't watching Studio Ghibli films for a podcast, yeah. um, I missed the kind of whimsy and the magic that yeah. I'd seen in things like the, the, the big hitters, like yeah. Spirited Away and stuff like that. So this was kind of like a change in yeah. tone. I had not yet watched Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah. Oh. Well, this is, it is definitely a very tonally, and we'll, we're going to get into it, but it is a very tonally different movie, I think, to lots of what's come before. Like, it's a couple of touchstones that we can get to, like Porco Rosso and Grave of the Fireflies and like things, the familiar stuff here, but yeah, it's quite different, in part probably because it's a biopic and has this like basis in, in fact, yeah, or fact-ish. Um, so the movie starts with um, kind of... Uh, Jiro, who's going to be like our protagonist um, as a small boy, kind of like get a glimpse of his um, childhood. It's obviously like the early 20th century um, in Japan. It's kind of like he lives in like this small village. It's all very, it feels very rural. Um, and we kind of open immediately, like you say, on a dream sequence where he is like, as a young boy, like flying this really cool plane with like um, feathers on the end of it. Like he sails around. Um, I didn't get it was a dream sequence until the weird Bobby 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 Yeah. Um, I like patted Ed and I was like, look, the plane has wings. <laughs> <laughs> what an astute observation Amazing. from you. I've never seen a plane before. Um. Uh, it had feathers, by the way, guys, if you've not watched along with us. <laughs> it's um, there's something really, so this, this scene, um, we see him as a young boy in, in, like a, in a plane, sailing over this like big green kind of rolling fields. Um, there's a moment when near the end of his like, dream sequence um, a big warplane comes overhead and like drops all these things and they're like blobby bombs mm. and then all these kind of like creepy creatures come out um, and this uh, this this whole scene was like it's just such it's just like Maizaki at the peak of his game because mm. like what you're seeing is like Laputa Howl's mm-hmm. um, Keys to Delivery Service there's so much in this that's yeah. like take the imagery that he's taken from those other films like the um, like Laputa especially it reminds me of and Nautica which we didn't do but like a, young, a child in like an aeroplane sailing over green mm. hills reminded me very much of like the intro to Laputa if you remember that when yeah. mm-hmm. Patsu is like 
um, playing at Horn and the camera and the kind of film swings over these yeah. kind of like big rolling fields. Yeah. yeah, it felt like very like contained, which was good. It wasn't like just fantasy for the sake of fantasy, like mm. something like Capitans or Tales from Mercy. It was very much like, oh, we know what we're doing and we're like really carefully selecting the imagery we use. As opposed to the other ones where they just shove any random thing <laughs> in just, there. They just shoot it with their cameras <laughs> and see what decides to stick later. Um, I was going to say that, yeah, obviously it obviously reminds you a lot of previous Miyazaki films. It also gave me quite a few Wes Anderson-y kind of vibes, yeah. Yeah. especially yeah. the fashions yeah. in that dream sequence. Yeah. The fashions. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do we meet? No, not yet. Not yet. We'll see um, um, there's a bit where you kind of looking back on it, you're like, oh, he's wearing glasses. Yes. With like his um goggles. And on his vision and goes. Yeah, and his vision goes, and he's kind of his eyes kind of like bulge. Yeah. And you can kind of see the ring of these glasses underneath. That I yeah. didn't put two and two together. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the idea there is that unfortunately, like his dream ends, and we kind of get the idea that um, basically what's happening is that he, because of his poor eyesight, like will never will never be a pilot, but obviously is is kind of in, enamored in love with this idea of flight. Um, we get introduced to. Um, Jiro's like a character in a couple of montages here as a young boy where like he defends a kid from being beaten up by a bully and like he has a really nice relationship with his sister who obviously like they're very close and like he reads to her and they kind of like there's a nice but they like bicker as well but it's kind of nice as well and you know it's not going to be like a big drama it's just very realistic it's familial yeah yeah Yeah, it's good Um, Um, didn't have a sister in real life Really? Sadly for the film. Oh. That's interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. There's a couple of yeah. things, obviously there's quite a lot in here that like my lack of took liberties with um factually, but it just kind of all it, it, I think he does it and never waits to find kind of like I don't know, it, everything he chooses to kind of like twist facts about elevates the movie into kind of being this this different thing, which is really cool. Um yeah, so like I say, we have this like quick montage of him as a, of a young boy. Um, and then we kind of have our next dream sequence. So the structure of the film, I think, is really interesting, where it has, like, these... It has, like, a dream sequence, and then a chunk of his life, and then they're all bookended by these these dreams that kind of, like, propel him onto the next bit of his life, which is mm-hmm. really cool. Did that structure, like, work for you guys? Did you feel like it, you kind of connected with the story, or did you feel like you would have liked a bit more time in each of those? I liked it. I think it was, like, a nice way of, like, chaptering the film, yeah. because it wasn't a traditional film of, like three acts it was very much like we were almost watching a book like it was very much like that yeah I can't what else to say <laughs> makes sense because it was based on the memoir yeah. of his life yeah. Yeah. Um, I th- enjoyed the kind of dream sequence as like a marker of different periods of time gave me Dumbledore vibes yeah this is going to be my podcast where I just say about all the different the vibes, vibes I got yeah. <laughs> about the popular characters but yeah. this movie is like is that movie though right like it gave me only yesterday like this idea of like dreams and reality kind of like mingling on, on screen and you kind of lose track of what's what um, did only yesterday have dreams yeah the big thing in only oh, yesterday I is that she, she we see her like revisit um, something she used to go as a child and it's intercut with like dream versions of her as children and yeah, young people yeah, like running around oh uh, yes I do let's um, talk about that film again <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, so the dream sequence you get here is, is definitely worth lingering on for a second because we get Jiro is like reading this book about this famous Italian aeroplane designer um, and he in his dream meets this kind of like his dream version of um, this guy Count, Count Caproni Count Caproni who I, I don't know whether this is a real person or not I think it was. Um, he's like a fa- designer of like famous Italian um, aircraft. Um, in the dream, 
uh, Jiro has this conversation with him where he's like, oh, I've been on the fly, but I, I can't because my sight's bad. And he's like, you know what? You, my, I've never flown a plane in my life, says the Count, but you can design these amazing things and that's almost as good. Um, he was very nice. Yeah. But also seemed like a bastard. Yeah. I, well, I think he, it like lots of this film, right? Lots yeah. of like, you can't divorce the engineer and the, and the plane from what the plane is used for. Mm, and like, even yeah. this moment, the Count is like, I love designing these things. The military only wants to use them to drop bombs, but my things are great. And it's even then, it's this tension between the end result. Yeah, agreed. At that point, it is. Yeah, I feel like they sort of go away, like sort of celebrate yeah. it a bit more as the film goes on. Yeah, so it's like ah, oh, don't worry. Yeah, I think the film tr- struggles to know what it wants to say, maybe yeah. at, at points. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a real guy, cool. uh, and in 1993, he was inducted. This is post posthumously. Um, inducted into the International Air Rock and, and Space Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The International Air and Space Hall of Fame. Oh, less glamorous, but still as important. Still Jack White was. <laughs> More out of this world. Oh. Thank you. Um, and also, he um, owned. Oh, he founded the Caproni Aircraft Manufacturing Company, um, and he started building airplanes just a few years after the Wright brothers' historical flight. Oh, cool. Um, That's really cool. His full name is Giovanni Battista Caproni. Mm. And right. the voice acting is great. Yeah, it's hilarious. Little Japanese boy. Little Jap- yeah, he's like, <laughs> Japanese boy, come here. It's really um, funny. Yeah. I think he's like one of the best voice actors I think we've had. He, he really? Mm. Stanley Tucci. It's Stanley Tucci, oh. which is then no surprise. Yeah, he, he gave me big... Um, House of Castle vibes mm-hmm. for that character mm-hmm. in general. Oh, um, really? As who? Why? I don't. I don't know. I just something about <laughs> like, or maybe uh, he struck me as like a general you would have met in the royal city uh, in House. Yeah. Like he has this a because he's like an airplane guy. I don't know. He just had this kind of like way about him. Yeah. Um, the one thing I want to say here again is like it's worth talking about now. Like, this film is so pretty. Like it's, it's yeah, mad. That's one of the prettiest like, ones, I think. And it's, I think it's just uh, with time as well, but it just looks incredible. Like the seat, like seeing these giant aircraft and like them crashing or them like l- taking off. It just like this. It communicates a sense of scale um, so well. And even like the details of like um, their trousers flowing or like yeah. his moustache when they're on the airplane, like just flying about and stuff. Like yeah. it's very very funny. Um, yeah, very good moustache. Good. <laughs> good flying moustache. Um, and one more thing before we go, so we've been on the stream thing for a while, but there's a quote here which I think is really important we get echoed again at the end, which is from the Count, where he says, uh, aeroplanes are beautiful dreams, and engineers turn dreams into reality. Mm. Um, Quite a lot revolves around quotes in this film. Yes, lots yeah. of quotes. And lots of, uh, yeah, lots of dreams. <laughs> I think lots of everything. Well, it's, it's lots of wind. It's interesting, right, <laughs> because we, we see a lot of, like, um, well, we've talked about the end, about Myzak is, like, obsession with flight and planes, but obviously this is a theme that we've seen in basically every Ghibli movie that he's directed. Mm. It's kind of like, you know how every episode of Black Mirror you watch, you mentioned this earlier off mic, um, yep. Mark was like, we get it, technology's bad. Yeah. With every Miyazaki film we get it, we, we, we're like, we get it, you like playing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, um, Is he the original like, horse right girl? Right <laughs> <laughs> Plain boy. Um, so we have a time skip, um, and Jiro is now like a young man, he's at university, and he's on his way back to Tokyo. Um, oh go to university um he's on a train scary he helps us mm. he, ha- he kind of catches this young woman's hat um no, no. he catches his no. hat she catches his hat will we see this young woman again later in the film who knows Probably not. but we haven't actually finished with her yet 
Well, that, but but because um, she almost dies falling out of the plane yeah, trying to capture his hat. The plane. Train. The plane. Trains. Automobiles. As the train is pulling into Tokyo, um, we have this like really kind of like intense, scary moment where like it cuts to um, uh, the city and you see like water shake and then the kind of ground does this big like mm. wobble thing. Yeah. I can't quite it's, describe it's it. Like, Undulates. It's Ooh. like when you need to change your bed sheets and you put the duvet in and you get it kind of yeah. all in a yeah. little bit and then you've got to give it a real you big a shake to um, get it all the yeah. sleeves off. And it's, and an, earth- exactly it's it an earthquake. And an like earthquake. it's big time earthquake. I think the way it's portrayed here is so like powerful. Well, like it's, it's incredible. Because right at the beginning you you see the like tectonic plates or whatever cracking. Yeah. I don't know how earthquakes work, obviously. <laughs> but like you see it from underground as well. Yeah. Like you see the oh, right, okay. the red lines like crack its way through the city and stuff. Like fault lines. Fault lines. Um, mm. Did anyone else? Um, I should have looked this up, but like the the audio. Why didn't you check your notes, Eddie? I didn't write any. <laughs> drunk. <laughs> um, all the audio for those bits, I'm convinced, was people. people. Yeah. That's um, what I thought. Uh, that, uh, that earthquake was like the first part where, and then later on you have like engines and stuff, and it's just going. Oh, yeah. Oh, the noise. Yeah. Like, pr- uh, yeah, I, I picked I up on that as well. The earthquake, where it's just like people just going. <laughs> yeah, it was like a That's choir cool. slash orchestra. It's really yeah. cool. Such a nice touch. Um, but, but something that it communicates something really terrifying, right? Very scary. And, like, the, everything's on fire. Tokyo's on fire. The plane, the train gets derailed. Um, and Jiro and um, the woman whose hat. Who's, who caught his hat and her kind of like nanny slash caretaker? Maid, yeah. um, they they kind of she ends up injured. They have to make their way into Tokyo somewhere safe, and he can go and get their families to kind of collect them because they've all been kind of thrown off the train. And everything's kind of in disarray and everything's on fire. Um, and it's just like a super really intense moment of like. It shows Jira's like resourcefulness as well because yeah, he gets his um, uh, big ruler, big ruler. Yeah out and makes her a splint and knows what to do and like carries her on her back and like yeah and he's it, kind he's he? very kind very kind um just on the topic of older jiro as i've written down um i don't think i would have guessed this unless because i look up the people on imdb first mm. ali you like to like try and work it out or keep it a Ooh. secret but did, did you know who it I was know now. did you know who it was eddie uh jiro yeah no it's joseph gordon levitt yeah. because it just didn't sound like him at all. Oh yeah, no, it didn't sound like him. But I thought that was, I think, I thought it did good with what I I I didn't enjoy it. Really? Yeah, I thought him and his friend, who turned out to be John Krasinski, John Krasinski were both just like, really, I think that's why I enjoyed Stanley Tucci so much. Yeah, because he had some character. I, I, I get with John Krasinski, whose character we haven't met yet, we are about to. Oh, that's this, right? So basically, um, he helps the girl and her, her nanny off the train. Um, he splints her leg, goes against her family, and then he goes back to university. Goes back to his university to find out what's going on. And then when he gets there, we get introduced to um, his friend Jim. John Krasinski. <laughs> John Krasinski, Jim Halper. Jim from the office. Um, Honjo. Honjo, who is kind of like they're both similar. I guess they're like in the middle of their university degree studying engineering. Um, they want to go on to be um, airplane designers together. Uh, and yeah, it's it. I. I don't think Jonathan John Krasinski does like an amazing job no, at this point. Job at all. Um, it's I didn't I, I I didn't notice it until you were like oh he, this is he's not very good and then oh, it kind of like I quite liked it I liked both of them I thought they were both just like quite subtle not um, I like I like Joseph Gordon Levitt. Mm. I just this is going to sound really reductive 
I just like finding, like figuring out who does the voice acting. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Get excited. Oh, that's so and so. Is that Stanley Tucci? Yeah, that's Stanley good one. Stanley Tucci. Or on the subject of voices, can we do the other voices? Or is it a bit too early? We can do. Well, I think we should do how when she appears. Okay. Um, can we spend a bit more time talking about how wild it is that they use people voices for mechanical sounds and yeah, things it is, like that? It is that really is cool. amazing. Yeah, it's great. It's so, so different from anything like we've seen. Like yeah. you're used to Ghibli for having these like amazing like dreamy soundtracks that you can add straight onto your lo-fi hip hop study <laughs> chill <laughs> beats playlist. But this is like a completely different level of yeah. like intricacy. Yeah. Definitely. It was a very, very nice touch. Yeah. Um, um, something about that, uh, which wasn't my thought, but is a good thought that I found <laughs> on the internet, is how, like, those, having that, so, like, it sounds, it's sort of that, that link of showing, like, the humanity that's in, that's been put into these machines, that's, like, mm. an extension of him, mm. like, how much, like, life he's putting mm. into them. Yeah, it gives them a bit more life. Yeah. Isn't it? Cause Are you trying to do a... No, we just always have a round robin, like, mmm. Like, the points. Um, one thing I did want to note, as well to my voice actors, which will mean nothing to Eddie Nabby, but um, the guy that this is, which I thought was a big twist, um, Jiro in Japan is voiced by um, Hideaki Anno, who is the guy who um, created Gainax, which is a huge animation house in Japan. He's the guy that made Neil Genesis Evangelion. Oh wow! The guy who's like the, which is like this huge cult anime series. Wow! It's, it's extremely. It's it's it is a really big deal. No way. <laughs> It's he, voices, he voices Jenkins, as well. the creator, the creator of, of Neon Genesis yeah. Evangelion. Because he's a, he's like a voice actor, director, writer, animator, everything. And him and him and Miyazaki worked together um, at the beginning of their career. Um, right. They have a TV series together about like this underwater Atlantis thing, which is really cool. Which I've never seen. Um, but I thought that I thought that was like that's cool. Th- that's like I can't think of, like, but it's like if David Fincher was a voice actor. Like it's a, it's a really big. Game. And he's the main character. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, which, yeah, which I thought was really cool. That's awesome. Um, stay tuned for our Neon Genesis Evangelion <laughs> podcast. Uh, what is this word you're saying? Neon Genesis Evangelion. What's the last bit? Evan, Ava, Evangelion. Like Evangelical. If, like, 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 like Linda Evangelista. Yes, like that, but with <laughs> lion at the end. <laughs> um, so, we kind of, after this moment, I didn't pick up straight away, we have another time skip. So we go two years in the future again, oh, near the, near the end of um, Jiro's uh, career, uh, end, of his, end of his university career. Um, <laughs> we kind of introduced to the fact, like, that his... Well, there's a job that closes down, isn't there? So this is before that. This is when he studied, quick, not quite quick one, where he's studying at school at the end, just before he's about to graduate, um, and the, na- the nanny of the girl he saved from the train appears. She brings back his ruler. She brings back a bunch of stuff oh, for him. Oh, yeah, um, I didn't realise that was so far after. And his sister comes and visits, mm. um, uh, and she basically have this evening together where she says, um, "It's amazing." I just want to it was worth saying because the whole point of this scene is for her to say basically, "It's impressive how fast Tokyo's recovered. It's only been two years." And they're kind uh, of like yes. on this boat going through the city, and everything is rebuilt, and everything yeah. is kind of like back to how it was. Um, which I thought was really interesting. And again, which is like a little moment in Jiro's life of kind of like where he is at that point uh, before we kind of skip on to um, the next bit. Can I just ask you all just a quick, um, what would you do? Uh, earthquake, would you stop to save save a girl? Would you uh, like to think you would? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think I would. If I, I could, wouldn't I'd make the earthquake get to five people. <laughs> 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 I, I think I would pretend I would 
N- like in this situation, I mean, I did not pretend at all. I just said no. Um, but I would probably run away Save yourself. and cry. You, you can't, can't put your you own. Can't, um, uh, you can't say. Yeah, you, no, no. You can't but I like to think that, like in the situation, we you try and I've got a big ruler. You go, love, slap the egg on this. I never yeah, take my big ruler with me. No, I leave my big ruler is too big. It will never fit More in of a bags. Yeah. I mean, that would have just been useful <laughs> in that circumstance when she broke her leg. Her leg is really broken. It's quite gross, actually. Yeah. Don't point the wrong way. I so. thought he was going to pop it back in at one Ooh, point. Which can't be that with broken bone. Would have been gross. <laughs> well, he's not a doctor, is he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, you fly. So great film. Yeah. Um, you just turn anything into a plane. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like a, like a Saw kind of-esque film where it's like, no, cut this. Like Steven. King Midas. <laughs> Instead of turning things to gold, he just turns things into aeroplanes. <laughs> um, never love. Something we d- I don't think. Oh, no, this is the next bit. So. I turn you into a Ryanair flight. <laughs> you hate people, do you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 um, so after this kind of like um, little bit at the end of his studying, um, he travels to a different prefecture um, for work. Um, there's a factory there, and him and Honju um, realize they can get a job there. Um, uh, and the note I've got here is basically that um, bas- basically we have a couple of scenes of him like daydreaming at work. The music is really good. There's all these like big string kind of like sound quite like European like French mm. French strings mm-hmm. kind of what I, mm-hmm. the vibe they gave me. That's the note I put down there. Lots of French music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, similar to uh, from up on Poppy Hill. Yeah, actually, Which that's very quite true. French and jelly. Yeah, yeah. I um, suppose it kind of. Like Miyazaki's like famous for like his other films where he goes on like researches like Wales yeah. and yeah. France and, and stuff. Italy as well. Obviously yeah. those influences are coming in yeah, through sound this time. Which is really cool. Yeah. Um, a couple of things to, to note here of this kind of like this bit where we have him working in this factory um, with Honju elsewhere. Um, this is this is so this is uh, Jiro starting his career at Mitsubishi. Um, we get introduced to his boss, who has great hair. Oh, he's big really slumpy he's hair. Great. He's very funny. At first, you're like, this guy's a dick, and then by the end of it, you're like, you can't adopt uh, me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, has Kuro, he got a good voice? Kurokawa. Um, you know? Who does he remind everyone of? Um, I can't say. But any of the other like old ladies in the other films. I oh. I didn't get his name down, but he's played by someone who's been in lots of like Flatty Rock and mm. Kimmy Schmidt and Sad Night Live and stuff. Yeah, that vibe. He he's he's just really great. Um. He plays Uncle Jack in Arrested Development. You know the uncle that has to be carried yeah. around by that big <laughs> bodyguard. Yeah, that's him. Wow. <laughs> Nothing short. Yes. Um. So some things to note of his time in the, in this Mitsubishi factory. Um, we have a really good scene where they go to lunch and he uh is eating mackerel and he pulls out a mackerel mm. bone and he's like really uh, suddenly gets like very obsessed with this idea of a mackerel bone um, and we see him go back to the office and like sketch wings and mackerel bones and he's obsessed with like the curvature mm. of the bone um we get this idea that like he's not just like this nice kind guy maybe he's like a big big old genius mm-hmm. turns out he's real smart real smart um is this where him is it him or his friend like shouts aeroplanes are fascinating yes yes it's extremely good <laughs> i love it Aeroplanes are fascinating. Um, I like that. just enthusiastic yeah. about these big flying guys. Big flying guns. <laughs> guns oh. that are about to use in a big war. Um, so Wait, no, this is a, this is still sort of late 20s. Uh, I think. It's like early 30s, I think. It's pretty well, the, the, the There's a whole depression bit, isn't there? Yeah. Where he yeah. tries to find work. Is that pre this? Yeah, yeah. Like, and he's like, oh, the banks, banks will close. Because oh, yeah. the earthquake is 1923. Ah, uh, okay. So I think it's like early 30s. Okay, cool, yeah. 
But they're still, they're still designing planes for military mm. to use, yeah, yeah. And, and Japan's art kind of arming itself. Japan, um, huh. And was it at war with China for a bit? Um, so there's a bit here where um, Honju is Honju is like John Krasinski is like incredibly um, pessimistic, pissed off about the state of Japan. Like he's just like we've got ox oxen like dragging our planes out to the field. Oxen with very you... fabulous eyelashes. Did yeah, you notice cool. them? Yeah. Um, Why did they have such fabulous <laughs> eyelashes? Um, he's he's distracted that the planes are made of wood. There's like a bunch of things that he's like really not happy with the state of um, kind of Japanese infrastructure and, and um, manufacturing which I think is interesting mm-hmm. um, and then we get a scene where uh, uh, what's he called Jiro um, it's kind of like his first project is like designing the wings for um, this plane called the Falcon and if they go out in the field it works really well it's really fast and then the guy the pilot tries to do it again oh, and a renegade and he's such a renegade tries cra- to go too fast yeah <laughs> and crashes um, and it seems like it's going to be really bad. And then Jiro's boss, the funny guy with the good hair, is like, you're smart. We're sending you to Germany. Mm. Um, um, we also meet at this point um, Hatton or Hayton, the sort of bigger boss. Oh, the bigger boss, yeah. 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 Oh, he's kind. Yeah, he's, he's very kind. kind. He's kind and he's, he's, a, he's a nice man. There are no um, kind bosses. He sees the good in people. There are no yeah. kind bosses, Alec. <laughs> um, um, he's stepped on some people to get to where he is. Maybe. Sometimes. Maybe so. <laughs> but do you know who he's played by? No, tell me. Mandy Patinkin. I don't know who that is. He play, he's a guy from The Princess Bride, and he also plays Soul in Homeland. Oh, uh, okay. Is he in okay. any Madagascar <laughs> I think he's in the... the, the I think he's in the Penguin TV <laughs> spin-off. <laughs> who does he play? I think it's Madagascar most wanted. Mandy... <laughs> Patinkin. 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 Um, okay, I think he's very famous. He's very he famous. He is very famous, yeah. And he's, he's a bit Tracy. He's got very, very nice voice, so he's a good voice actor for this as well. He's in Smurfs The Lost Village. Who does he play? Gargamel. Papa Smurf. What? Papa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh he does look like Papa Smurf in real life as well. That's true. Um, so, we get them, then we get this. Um, I'm Sorry. Gonna, I'm gonna no, 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 it's fine. Um, we're going to gonna power through because then we get um, this montage of uh, Jiro in Germany, kind of like examining different planes. Um, we start to get a feel for like, this is a pre-war movie right like he's in hitler's germany there are the secret police running around being people up um the germans are being intensely secretive about their um kind of techniques and, and the way they're building planes um but jiro is, is on these airfields and he's really inspired by like these big metal war planes that he thinks that are really cool um which is it, again it's it's interesting because i think at points this film wants to talk about this stuff but i don't think it always la- lands it like because it's we see everything through Jiro's eyes and so it's very like these are amazing and like it never quite it's hinted at but it's yeah. never like what are they going to be used for mm. let's take the politics out of this war movie <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh yeah I did write down because I when I'm watching it, I didn't have any clue of when it was set um like specific years yeah. so I was like interesting that there's not been any explicit mention of World War Two yet and then later on I wrote because it hasn't started. <laughs> um, <laughs> unfortunate. But we do, I mean, I, I, said, I spoke too soon maybe because um, we have this, these couple of scenes in, in Germany which are really interesting um, and then basically because they're, because they're getting nothing out of the Germans, um, the Mitsubishi team are pulled back to Japan. Uh, apart from Jiro, who is going to, and there's a weird bit here which I, I wrote down as like, they're like, we're going to send him west and yeah. like go back to Japan the long way. 
or something because I didn't really we don't really see we don't really see that happen in the film yeah I was very confused like was he going for America like he's just on a sabbatical maybe he's just gone to find himself Um, in Bali (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but Someone was saying about heading west from Germany. <laughs> well, I was doing a thing. About I was doing Bali. a bit. Oh, oh, are you doing a bit? Oh my god. You, a you bit. Do a bit. <laughs> um, do a bit. There's, uh, <laughs> you do a lot. Um, there's a a cool dream sequence here, like our, our next kind of like book ending dream bit, where we are, our good old friend the Italian count uh, reappears, um, and this is where the conversation about um, whether it's worth creating planes, if they're going to be used in war, and you know these having guys like, the military will never let me build this giant Airbus that I want to build because it won't be useful. Um, so they do have this... conversation is had, um, but it's just... I, d- I d- never know where I feel. I feel like it's really hit home in, in, kind of in that way. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Again, very pretty. These dream sequences are kind of just like big. Reminds me of... Um, you know, in Howl's when... Uh, we go to like Howl's Secret Garden, mm. um, and the warships invade there, and there's mm. nothing. It's just like meadows, great, lots of big green open yeah. meadows. Um, kind of gave me those. And like those kind of just fantasy planes, isn't it? Like with like people jumping up and down, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, careful down there!" And you can see oh, the bottom yeah. like bounce and yeah. stuff. It's and, so good. And there's a really cute bit at this point where um, the count waves to his family. He's like, "That's my family over there," and um, Jiro like kind of stands up does his buttons up and like does a little bow and it's just very very yeah. cute detail that I ba- like I almost missed but it yeah. was very very sweet it reminded me a bit of um, I think what's nice about this film like, and, like feel free to disagree but like there's I disagree which, well, we, we've, said, <laughs> we've said it a lot but like there's so much in this film that's pure Maizaki and so what feels like throwbacks or kind of like visual references to stuff like this bit remind, the bit of everyone crammed into the plane reminded me of um, the end of Kiki's um, with yeah. the giant blimp when like the whole town is yeah. like oh blimp and everyone's like it's running good. onto it and, like, it really does make sense to be his last film even though it's to not. begin with you're like oh this is a weird one for him to like yeah. end on is this not his last film? it is, it is currently his last film but he's, making, he's currently making another one yeah it, 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 it does feel a bit I think you're right Mark at the beginning it's like oh it's weird this is his last movie but then there's so much in it that reminds me of those other films um, yeah mm. Yeah, it's just like it's so different to all his other films. Yes. Yeah. And that's why I know that you're saying like, there, there's loads of stuff that's there's loads of like theme like iconography and like ideas that are stolen from these films that are so different. Like of all the Miyazaki films, this is probably the most like all the others are basically like he's fantastical. Yeah, involved very true. a young girl. Yeah, so, yeah. Like um, this is like different yeah it, it is it is which is which is i guess interesting that it, it bridges those gaps like it's obviously yeah. something that he's passionate about and interested in but yeah. also manages to be a classic him um so we get so that that's the kind of the end of his time in germany then we go back to the fact back to the Swiss factory um in that in that prefecture where they work and um juro is now like the head of a team head of a team that's making planes for the navy um uh, it's really cool it's like again which is interesting but it is cool like he builds his like he's building his first set of planes and they're not quite the plane that he wants to build in the end uh, that he goes on to build but it's this kind of like these fighter jets that can be launched from um, like a, a carrier at sea um, and you get these it's just like these really cool sequences of like planes taking off and waves crashing and mm. it's like it's just really pretty but that's the note I have here is just like this movie's really pretty like is it this all of these scenes I think just like look kind of astonishing this is quite funny as well it's because there's a point where they're testing out loads of planes and like 
one like explodes of oil yeah. and like mm. one shoots oil at like yeah. and then they have the scene where they're just like washing themselves because they're just covered yeah. in oil again <laughs> like it all yeah, works very the, well yeah because the um the boss is like bloody japanese engines like and then he gets covered in oil yeah again. yeah yeah it's really funny um that's funny but surely that must have been a very disheartening time of like yeah. they'd already remarked like oh we're like 10 20 yeah. years behind everyone and they yeah. still kind of at this point can't get it right i know it's yeah. like, kind of like not a redemption story, but like a hero's journey yeah. to build this like perfect plane, regardless of yeah. what it's being used for. Um, but yeah, but just it's like a makeover scene. Isn't yeah, it? it's interesting though because you're all right. <laughs> this movie like feels like despondent though. You never, I mean, you, you never get a shot of like Jiro ripping up designs and being like, oh no, it's all over. Like he just keeps on working hard, keeping his head down. Yeah, <laughs> very positive, uh, Jiro. He's doing his best. Welcome to our motivational podcast. <laughs> Tips um, on. How to keep your head down and work towards those goals. <laughs> Build those planes. Build those planes. War machine. Oh. <laughs> um, so I think it's at this point that we, like after, so we see him like build a one good plane, right? And, this one, and finally, God, jeez, Jiro. Um, and then he takes a big break. After all that, he's like, oh, we've got a holiday now. And this is the sabbatical. This is, this is the yeah. sabbatical. Um, and we, this is where we get introduced to our kind of like, uh, romantic interest of the movie. The German guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love the German guy great. so much. So creepy. Great and voice. Great, yeah, great voice. Werner Herzog. Is that Werner Herzog? Yeah. That is so <laughs> weird. I'd literally listened to him talking for about 10 minutes. I was like, he sounds a lot like John Ronson. And Ed was like, no, he sounds like that guy that's German and sounds a lot like Mark Ronson. And then <laughs> Not finally. Mark Ronson. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, John Ronson. Werner Herzog's voice is exactly what you get to if you try to do a combination of John Ronson and Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice, but I won't do it because it would probably be a bit like racist. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's John Ronson? John Ronson's the uh, documentarian. Um, he talks a bit like this when I was doing a documentary about porn people. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> does, um, I can do the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> and then Werner Herzog is like, Ah, the internet is a very dangerous place. <laughs> that was pretty good about that. Though, I love the way you said you weren't going to do it, and then you proceeded to do all three. <laughs> That's, you're welcome. We can keep that in. Um, <laughs> I think Hideaki Anno is the Japanese Werner Herzog. Um, we get, uh, we see Jiro like on holiday. He's in the he's in this the hills by what what they call the Magic Mountain, which I assume is like a real place. Um, and we get introduced to our romantic interest, uh, Naoko. Um, she is a painter. She's up on the hill. It's, this is like the, the famous kind of still from this film is her with the big parasol um, painting a picture with the clouds behind her. And it's on the cover of Mark's book. It is indeed. Um, Strange that that's the picture to kind of sum up the whole of Studio Ghibli yeah. when she is not the main character no. of this film. I yeah. thought that too. Um, but then I don't know, it's maybe because she is um, creating something. Yeah. It's something to do with yeah. art. And maybe yeah. it's, and it's nice to it. It is a nice pit, and it was a beautiful scene. Yeah. Um, Sweet. Snap. And what happens in this scene? <laughs> what happens to bring them together? The wind rises. The wind rises, brother. Brother. The wind does rise. Il vent s'élève, as she says earlier in the movie. Oh, yes. Um, and uh, blows her parasol away, and he catches it, which is a mirror of um, when they first meet when she's a child, which is weird. Um, when his hat goes away and she catches it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this kind of like parallel. We get introduced to her, her dad. Um, they are staying at the hotel or they own the hotel. 
think they're, st- they're staying in the hotel up the hotel. hill, where, which is where Jiro is going. Mm-hmm. Um, and surprise, like we said, it's the same girl that he met on the train all those years ago when she was just a child. But <laughs> I, I don't think she was as young as she was as um, she comes across. She comes across, and also he is just going off to uni, so yeah, he's so probably like eighteen. She's like fourteen. I think yeah, so. So yeah. I'm not saying at, like, at the time. Would have oh been yeah, yeah. But, but it's fine. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it's like. Yeah, because at first when I thought she came into it, I thought she was the lady she helped. Uh, the, na- the nanny. The nanny, yeah, because I didn't realize that was supposed to be like her maid. Mm. Um, I thought it was it was her that came along. Like, thanks for breaking. Oh, thanks for my do you think leg. she tells the, the the maid to drop the stuff back? Yeah, she must do. Right, it's not the na- it's not the maid doing it of her own accord. Yeah. No. That makes Because I think this is the point where I was like, oh, the film kind of slows down a little bit because we get this weird, like, romance, which they earn yeah. in the end, but I feel like it was just kind of came out of nowhere because we had this one interaction quite near the beginning and then nothing for, like, half an hour. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this, he stays at this hotel with the girl. Um, she's okay at this point. She gets, <laughs> she gets ill. I have some thoughts and fears about her character, which well, we'll get to. Abby, do you want to tell us who she's played by? Oh. It's our, our favourite new Mary Poppins, Emily Blunt. Bloody Emily Blunt, isn't Emily it? Emily Blunt. John Krasinski's real-life wife. Rap wife. Real <laughs> it's real-life rap wife. That's not a thing we said in this podcast. <laughs> we said that earlier. Just to clarify, Eddie doesn't think that Emily Blunt it looks like a rat. Or a wife. a meme. Oh. No, it's a meme that was popular in mid-2019. Five years ago. <laughs> um, She's good, though. Yeah, she, oh, you like her, do you? Oh, oh yeah. Classic. Loves a woman. Sorry. No, from your... So, he meets her at the hotel. They kind of like have this romantic connection, which we'll get. We'll talk to, about, so, talk to in a second. But the other person he meets at the hotel, who you mentioned just a minute ago, um, is this great um, G- German guy, whose name <laughs> I have no idea what it is. Um, but he's excellent, and he's outside, he's smoking, he's a bit drunk, and him and... Jiro hits Wait. it off immediately. Before this, we see him have dinner. And what does he eat? A giant bowl of watercress. Oh, yeah. As a rabbit. Yeah, literally yeah. A, a mountain of grains. Nothing else. We've all been on a diet. We've all tried <laughs> to get that summer body. You can't have carbs before marbs. <laughs> carbs before marbs. Um, he's called Castor. Castor. Oh, okay, yeah. He's, a, he's a, an excellent character anyway. Like, he, I immediately... And he's a real-life character. I think... He's my favourite character in the whole movie. He's great. He's hilarious. He's also really like astute and like has his big intense eyes. Yeah. And he talks to Jira about um, a bunch of different things, and and they all kind of we have these re- a couple of like really nice calm scenes, and um, before the movie kind of wraps us up towards its finale, where Jiro is kind of like flirting with um, uh, this woman that he's met in the hotel. They're playing a paper aeroplane. Oh, they're, they're, obviously like, scene is oh, great. they're falling so great. in love. And it's just like a really nice magical It's one of my favourite scenes in the movie, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice magical moment. Like this all this the hotel is drawn beautifully. It has this kind of like homely, mm. cozy like I wanna go on holiday there. Like I wanna spend a spend a week in that like weird hotel spa and just like wander through the mountains because it's just really lovely. Lovely kind of like rendered on, on screen in terms of the colours. It just it it's it's just it's something so different to the rest of the film. I remember like when we were talking about watching this film, and I was like, I remember two films. Yeah. <laughs> like, the the yeah. film about the guy making the planes, and the film about the guy falling in love at a little yeah, hotel. I don't, I do, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It feels almost like this is like another one of those dream sequences, but it's obviously not. Yeah. They, the two stories yeah. come no, together. That's, that's a really interesting point. It does feel like a bit of a new chapter, like part two almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, not saying that's criticism, really. No, I'm no, just no. I like, quite like the next. Yeah, I know. You know. 
I think there is something to be said for like this movie's tone wanders a bit and this is definitely one of those moments where it like it, it does feel like a separate thing mm. um, but it, it definitely works for me um, there's a couple couple of points to hit on and while we're still in the hotel so um, we kind of find out that um, uh, Naoko is, is uh, ill she's terminally ill she's, she has chronic illness um, well she gets ill at this point and she's been ill I think I think it's a, I read it as like she's ill and she's kind of ill quite regularly she's got TB oh does she yeah oh, right I missed yeah. that bit yeah. okay well she has TB um, so she's ill which is why she's at the hotel with her dad Miyazaki loves a sick woman yeah oh god <laughs> yeah, those things you hate to see it on... <laughs> where else would we see a sick woman the mum like oh yeah all the sick mums yeah um I think it's interesting what that leads to, but yeah, uh, it's implied that she's ill. Um, she has TV. It's not implied that she's ill. Um, <laughs> and, and, and her illness gets worse um, just before Jiro has to leave um, to go back to Tokyo. And, and it's kind of like, is he going to invite her back to stay with him or whatever? And she kind of she has, she needs to stay in the hotel basically. And also they can't just move in together because it's not not a done thing. Just a hotel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have towels in one room. <laughs> how the rooms work? Pretty book one. <laughs> um, the other interesting thing is a conversation he has on the first or second night with um, our German friend Castor. 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 Um, which probably I'm, a better way to pronounce yeah. it. I. It's Castor. Castor. No, no one fights like Castor. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really love. There's a this scene um, where they talk about like why they're both at the hotel which I think is really some of the best writing in the film um, where Castor basically has like a bit of a monologue and he's like um, I you know I know why you've come here like um, the, the hotel and the Magic Mountains are a, um, a a lovely place to, to forget he's like it's it's a place to forget about your stress and your trouble and then he starts talking broadly about Japan and he's like, it's it's a it's a lovely place to forget that you've made an enemy of the League of Nations. It's a lovely place to forget that you've set up a puppet state in Manchuria, that you're at war with China. Like, it, this is the first moment in the film where it's like, there is a tent. Like, Japan is at this point in history where like, there's a reason why um, there's a reason why Jiro is like been is making lots of claims to the military. Like, mm. there's a tension happening, and and it's un, it's obvious that like something's about to happen and then what what we see consequently is that um castle gets like chased out of the hotel by secret police essentially because he's german and he's obviously anti anti-military or anti-war in some way because this is the first time we hear the line like um japan will implode or something yeah he's like japan he's like japan will, japan will fall germany will mm. fall yeah because um jiro's like oh you don't like um mr hitler and he's like no they're a, ga- they're a gang of thugs or whatever yeah. calls them. Mm. Yeah, it's like the first time it turns like turns away from slightly threatening, but mostly this kind of enamorment. Yeah, maybe. Um, with like the mechanics of plane building that yeah. we see time and time again, like the craftsmanship, which is so fundamental to like Miyazaki's films. Yeah, but this so is suddenly true. like, oh no, they these planes are being like you said, planes are being built for a reason, and I think that's kind of. It got quite a lot of controversy yeah. um, for being such this like love letter to yeah. planes and kind of skirting around the fact that no 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 this is these are war machines yeah yeah it's interesting I was reading that like at the time it's so funny to say at the time because it was 
five years ago. Um, but it's a movie that was seen as quite controversial from lots of different sides of the political spectrum. Um, lots of people on the left kind of felt like it was this, like you say, this kind of glorification. Glorification and it's odd, odd love letter to, to like um, Japanese militarism, which is kind of like terrible. Yeah, um, and also lots of people on the right, or centre right at the time, felt like it was it was really like anti-nationalist. So it ended up basically because it, because it didn't go far enough. Some people didn't felt like it didn't go far enough either way, mm. but it attracted this controversial from both from both sides because it doesn't really make a, a statement. I I don't feel. Mm. So after uh, Jiro uh, leaves the hotel and he leaves Naka behind because she's good, basically she's going to recover from her illness and then she's going to come and um, well, recover-ish from her illness and come and meet him in back in Tokyo and um, he can go back to work. Um, there's a couple of like... Yeah, so he basically... Um, this is the moment and after his breakaway and like flying the paper airplane which you mentioned he kind of gets the inspiration like his life is fulfilled and he gets the inspiration to like build um this plane, plane that paper plane <laughs> <laughs> the plane that he's been like dreaming of dreaming about the whole movie right this the um the mackerel bone wing everything that yeah. he's he's seen it his dreams over and over again the council has been like oh i like your plane he's like yeah. yeah like we've seen it kind of like formulate in his head and this is the point after he meets um Naku in, in the hotel that he kind of like is able to put this out into the world and like produce it um, and it is this amazing um, piece of engineering, right? The, like I said at the beginning, the um, A6M0 is, was like the um, kind of definitive Japanese fighter um, at the time. Mm. And there's a reason why like, it was kind of hailed in, in the way it was. But by the time that the war was happening, or the primary use for it became because ever, like all of the other um, states planes and aircrafts were like so much still so much more advanced yeah. that it chiefly became a kamikaze plane yeah uh, um, which they don't really talk about in the film no they don't um, again it's it is and this is, and this is the thing right they're talking about this film is it feels messier than even when we talked about um Grave of the fireflies because again i feel like Grave of the fireflies even though takahata at the time was like oh it's not there's no politics in this movie Grave of the fireflies is like an intensely anti-war film and, and feels that way the whole the whole way through. Yeah, now you put it like that, it is weird that the um, Miyazaki didn't take more of a stand mm. with the message he was trying yeah. to convey here. But then that's the thing, he he Miyazaki didn't make Game of Fireflies, right? So Oh, uh, like, did he not? No, that was but, uh, Haven't we spoken about how he is famously like Yeah, yeah, he, he is he's a pacifist. That's his whole his yeah. whole thing was that like he's a pacifist. But he would like to be a pacifist and still make Pac- a film about a guy who made war planes. Yes, exactly. Which he didn't get to do both. Yeah. yeah. He likes play he like he loves engineering, he loves planes. Which is a pro- like you know could can, can clashes with that that ideology that he has. <laughs> then make a film about the Wright brothers, you know, like yeah. <laughs> um, problematic. Or Concord. Concord. Why did I say it like that? that um, was weird. Concord. So there's, a, there's, a, there's a, so basically we kind of now yeah. get this moment where like Jiro is at the top of his career. He's done everything he wanted to do, and and it, it's kind of it's this celebratory ish moment, um, except for during his work, um, the boss uh, with the good hair. <laughs> he's like oh bossy with the good hair <laughs> BT Dubs the secret police are looking for you you need to come live with me and hide which is quite like an intense moment there's good art for the boss yeah really good yeah. art for the boss this is the moment where you're like you know what this boss one of the best characters I like this boss <laughs> which is a twist rare, because a bosses uh, not good 
Um, <laughs> in films, bosses aren't uh, good in films. Anime and Miller. Beat them. Um, there. Uh, <laughs> so basically, he moves in with the boss Kirikawa, um, and he uh, gets Naoko to move in as well from the hotel. Um, and um, then also, she's not been still at the hotel. She's been into a sanatorium. Oh right, she's in the sleeping bag. Yeah. Yeah. She's in that big sleeping bag outside, which is a weird. So yeah, she gets moved to like a it's hospital. It's like a hospital for people with like chronic illnesses, where they go to like the con- con- not convalesce, convalesce, like like recover, Re- recover from these like symptoms. Um, yeah, it's like when they send people to the sea. Oh right, okay, yeah. yeah, sanatoriums for for doctors. Because that's what's happened, right? Because we, we, we see her receive a letter from Jiro, and she's like on this big balcony, in um. In a big sleeping bag, um, and she—it's like snowing. And she's outside. There was this weird moment where me and Mark were like, "Why is she outside and not <laughs> inside in the bed?" Seems like a strange choice for mm. someone that's ill. But I think, like you said, the idea is that like the mountain air and the snow and stuff will be good for her. So after um, uh, Naoko comes back from the sanatorium, um, she basically like escapes right and comes to the house, and they get they get married. My memory's um, my right. So <laughs> they get married. Isn't that what, what happens? So yeah. she comes back. They go off to the boss's house, and he's like, "Yeah, I would love to take you in, but you can't because you're not married, yeah, and that's weird. not really like yeah. the done thing." That's I don't really know if there was like policies or anything against this. Maybe. Okay. Um, and then they're just like straight away. They they've ditched that plan that you've seen them to have this white wedding oh, and. Yeah all the um say yes to the dress that we've seen <laughs> going on and they decide to get married that, like, that night he's like we're getting married right here right now yeah. basically Let's do which it. is very cute and then you see the boss cry which yeah. is oh, very yeah. sweet it's very 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 sweet i love how like on it the wife is like yep welcome to my home um but the bit before is you i think um jiro learns of the news that she's like got worse and he kind of imagines what might happen what might be happening to her because then he imagines her on this hill painting but then just violently vomiting oh, yes. blood yeah. all yeah. over the canvas is that a dream is that not i think that's him imagining no, it because then he yeah because then he rushes to tokyo um to pick her up and that's when he brings her back right okay right and then it's wild because he's on the train doing work yeah and it's just like well, obviously adds to his character of like him being obsessed with work yeah um, but it it was so vivid. Yeah. The, the, the her being sick mm. really really shocked me. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it shocked me too. I, this is an, an interesting point in this film again, where like he, I don't. It's, again, it's, it's up to I guess interpretation about like what the message here is. But like Naoko leaves the sanatorium to come come to him. They get married. She moves into um, Kurokawa's house and then basically never leaves. Like she's ill, terminally ill, um, it seems, or chronically ill. Um, at home while he's at work all day until until late at night mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like she's getting out of bed she's like not in a good place because the sister comes to visit a couple of times and yeah. like strikes of a friendship with her yeah and, and she's like you work so late and you literally just like i'd write like he comes on late and she kind of like leaves her in that room to get progressively more ill it's like pretty grim yeah. at this point and he's so obsessed with the plane and finishing his work that yeah. it's like it's not a good situation in any way right like for me at this point i was like i don't this character like shouldn't be in this situation i don't know it just it felt yeah. like felt weird so was this bit added was this made up i don't know Ooh. how, how do you guys feel about the way that the Naoko stuff was like handled 
you feel like we're supposed? Do you feel like we're supposed to view Jiro in this way that he he pays some attention to work, or do you think it's just like well, doesn't yeah just some, part of the story? Uh, someone like criticizes him for being like, oh, you've done all this. You've got married her now. You're just leaving her to get. I, I think it's his sister. And she comes sister. over. Yeah. yeah. So I would say, yeah. So I don't know what the what the, the I think it, the, the film sort of trails off at this point a bit for me. But yeah. It just, yeah. I mean, I, I mean that's you're often the way with like a biopic that doesn't yeah. have like a famous ending. That's like good. Like yeah. Mm. So it's just sort of a bit like, oh, he was obsessed with his work. It was meant to feel good about him being really good at his work, but also this is a really nice love story. Oh, but no, yeah, it's all a bit. It gets a bit muddled. Um, yeah. Regardless, though, when she does get off the train, when she first gets there, um, me and Ali both realised at the same time that she looked very much like Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah. Which was very strange because she is played by Mary Poppins. Yeah. That's how she got the role. That's how she got the role. <laughs> they drew in that hat and they were like, you know what? That's a good look <laughs> on you. <laughs> on that your hat. voice. <laughs> yeah, that's, that voice and this hat. Um, we can take over the world. Abby, you got any scoops for us about the state of um, Drew and Nako's marriage in real life? Um, Wikipedia is Heard telling. Of it. Heard of it. Yeah, you've heard of it? Mm. It's quite a big thing. Big um, one. One of those big sites, that is it? Oh, I hate the big sites. Mm. Big all, wiki. All, all, all <laughs> those independent, independent sites. So there's a. There's <laughs> Midipedia. Indie, indie sites. Indipedia. Indipedia. Um, there it says these. There's additional plot elements, which mm-hmm. is about like the yeah. and stuff. Were adapted by Miyazaki from Hori Tatsao's 1937 the, uh, novel *The Wind yeah. Has Risen*. Um, but you can click through on Wikipedia yeah. to that. Um, he's there is a person who is I. Yeah. Um, who ta- who's taking care of his fiance and then wife Setsuko, who has been diagnosed with TB. Um, so she was ill. We just don't know, I guess. I imagine this is different name though, isn't it? That is a different name. Um, and yeah, it's loosely based. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this so is not completely random that it happened. No, and this is kind of like you said, like like you said, this is like the movie kind of ambles towards an end at this point. I would say. So uh, sorry, I think it, could you say it's kind of um, Miyazaki kind of like trying to reckon with the fact that he is like kind of in a well, like advertently showing all this love for like fighter planes yeah. and has to kind of balance that with some sort of personal loss like, yeah. you don't see Jiro like fighting in the war yeah. or anything but you do see him suffer this big loss yeah just mm. as his planes are doing the damn thing yeah mm. yeah I think, that's a, I think that's a really good read but does um, he suffer that much it just sort of happens I don't like, I don't remember well, the film sort of being really upset the but film she's dying right he does love her yeah the, yeah, they don't really show him like suffering too much, and even when she like, I mean, uh, you're gonna get to it in a minute, but like when she ends up leaving, yeah, I don't feel like it. It's resolved. I know again, it's like a biopic, which I get, so it's not necessarily the most dramatic thing. But like, I, we didn't get any scenes of him being like, oh shit, my wife's gone. Like, yeah, I think isn't it meant to be implied that they're both happening at the same thing, like at the same yeah. time, like yeah. she leaves to go and die, essentially, yeah, yeah. and then there's like that big like whoosh of air as he's flying the plane and yeah. then she appears in a dream yeah. like you gotta go on and live your life yeah and he's like okay then <laughs> yeah that's bye. the thing it just like the, there wasn't any other scene after that to be yeah. like oh actually something really bad happened and now i'm sad like yeah. it just went like oh no the planes were used to something bad and it would just 
ended his love story with the planes rather than his love story with her. Yeah, I think that's that's yeah, that's true. Like because yeah, I mean this is the, the last scene of the movie, right? Is that like um, he completes the completes the plane. Narco um, is progressively more ill and returns to the sanatorium um, mm. for the end of her life. Um, we have this moment of the kind of final two scenes of the movie are so we see Jira's plane in flight. Everyone's like, oh my god, it works! It's amazing, and we do see it like it's a really beautiful scene of it like twirling through the air and like plunging into into clouds and it just kind of it looks amazing and we go from that and the plane kind of f- flying around to yeah the last dream sequence um with the count again the last appearance oh, of the count yeah. um we get the graveyard don't we first the graveyard the graveyard of the planes oh yes yeah, yeah so the, the first bit in the dream is like is it in the dream yeah yeah it's, i think it's like none of the planes returned home and it was yes. like very very stark imagery of all like yeah. the, the crashed planes with like quite jolly music so it was a bit of like juxt- yeah. juxtaposition there yeah we see Jira walk through this field of, of kind of crashed planes um the count's like you did it it's amazing like and he's like well you know this is what it cost nothing came back um and yeah we see a nap on the hill for the last time and it's kind of this like it is bittersweet but i get i think kind of what we said there like it doesn't maybe feel like the most concrete event it doesn't make it tries to reckon with the thing, but I guess it's up, up for interpretation whether it does that successfully mm. or not. Um, and then the movie ends just as it began in that first dream sequence, um, where the line about um, airplanes being dreams and engineers bring them to life um, with the count. His last line is, um, or oh, it might have to be Jiro. Um, someone says, airplanes are beautiful cursed dreams waiting for the sky to swallow them up. Mm. Um, and it, we that's tr- the transition we see I guess through the movie is this corruption from this childhood dream to something completely different at the end yeah. um, and then the count is like should we go get some wine <laughs> so he says something about going get some wine yeah. Um, yeah that's The Wind Rises mm-hmm. it's a big old movie it's two hours long and, and it, it points it felt it but yes um, yeah does anyone have any closing thoughts or stuff they want to talk about we didn't maybe get around to there's a scene when they're like talking there's like they're at work and there's a big like meeting um and hero the jiro seems to suddenly get a personality out of nowhere and he's like oh so this is kind of the problems we have with it uh oh we could make it lighter we could uh take the guns off Uh, oh don't worry guys we're not gonna do that we need the guns (laughs) it's it's a a killing machine Yeah, yeah 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 and i just found that funny a bit of like relief but at the same time like who is this person? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got the meeting out of Palmer's hands during that yeah. whole bit. Like, oh, that was the the scene I was gonna be like, oh yeah, that was a that was another bit we just didn't like cover. But like, yeah, just he's really gotten he's just great, just great public speaker. All of a sudden, yeah, yeah. yeah. he is weird because we see him. Hey, he's kind of a bit of a wet blanket throughout most of it. Like, he's yeah. nice, but he's not really, and he's brave, but he doesn't yeah. really like. He's a black cat, blank canvas. Blank canvas, yeah. He's a black cat. <laughs> 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 yeah, black cat too. <laughs> um. I suppose it's kind of that thing of like, oh, for use of like a cop, like a popular par- parlance, parlance, you know, you know popular saying, um, like finding your tribe. Like yeah. you might be this kind of like nerdy boy who can't ever fly planes, but or you put him in a room of engineers, engineers yeah. killing it. Yeah, that's so lads, true. Lads, plane material. Oh, plane yeah. banter. <laughs> um, What's the deal with peanuts? <laughs> <laughs> Was that Joe Cypher? Airplanes. Airplanes. Why don't open up? Oh, no. <laughs> um, 
Mark, is there anything that you wanted to um, talk about, touch upon that we haven't, haven't met? I liked it. Yeah, go. Cool. Oh, no, what I did <laughs> want to mention. <laughs> 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 no, I didn't. Wait a minute, did I say like? What I, did, what I did like about it, um, which we haven't mentioned, was um, a lot of the animation style when he was imagining planes. When he, like, oh, yeah. there was there was, a, there was lots of little, clever little tricks where he was looking up into the sky and you could see his face almost turned to like a mirror and the planes yes. like flying across his face. Yes. And then when he was looking at planes, you could see him like almost like Superman um, extra vision, like yeah. seeing through the planes mm. and how it breaks apart and yeah. all the pieces there and stuff. Thought that all of that was very nice. Yeah, there's, a, there's another bit where him and Honju are like talking about planes and then they both suddenly are like shot up into the air and uh, in the sky and clouds and you can see planes yeah. flying around them, yeah. which is a really like, um, yeah, it does. I think we're supposed to think of Jura as, as a daydreamer. Yeah. And so yeah. the movie has this kind of like dreamlike, the way that it drifts in and out of what's been and what's not is kind of like ties into that really nicely. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk two things but one um, I think you made a really good point earlier Abby about um, like <laughs> uh, about craftsmanship craftsmanship and like how because I think it's worth thinking about this movie as like oh, it only happened halfway through but like as Miyazaki's last movie all these influences the culmination of 20 odd years 30 odd years work um, and like this I think the idea of, of the importance of craftsmanship and again it's, it seems problematic because of what it is that this movie is building but it is interesting and it's like Mark said, the the X-ray vision where you see that how the bolts come together and mm. like so much of this movie is about Jiro trying to work out how to f- make flush um, et- like fuel tanks and stuff on the plane. Like this is his obsession with like making a perfect thing, um, which I thought was really interesting. Mm. And we see it, I guess, in lots in in there are other good movies where it's kind of like there, but maybe less upfront. Yeah, I suppose there's fewer films about like I feel like we kind of hmm. I think we kind of always drew on the pond like the oh he loves flying oh he likes these aeroplanes but it's just like he at some times kind of ham-fistedly chucked a plane in there yeah I mean it always looked amazing and it was always that like focus point but this was a film about flying that we haven't really seen flying planes since Poco Rosso yeah that was the other thing I wanted to talk about is that like I know I'm not going to dig up you know old wounds and talk about mm. how I was robbed, but yeah. um, <laughs> there's there is something about the way that Porco Rosso is again interesting because it's like Italy World War Two play it ha- it's it's dealing with playing with the same kind of like um, playing with the same I don't know what I'm trying to say but it, it's it's using the same tools and, and thinking about the same mm. ideas um, and it uses the same visuals of like huge blue skies with tiny planes flying across them it has this like sense of almost like childlike wonderment at what it is to like fly less pigs in this one which is sad honestly yeah Um, and yeah Lapita as well which I thought was nice Mm. like to wrap back around to where we started and and where he started like big Lapita vibes in so many moments in this film Mm -hmm. Um, yeah Yeah. anything else any more for any more no cool Okay, we'll move on to the rankings. Woo. So now it's time for Pop Podcast where we rank um, the movie compared to all the other ones we've watched. Um, we've got a couple of other sub rankings you might have heard about all along the way. Um, <laughs> first up is the Grand National, where we normally talk about all the great grands in these movies. Unfortunately, there wasn't. Well, also, great grands, no, they're just normal grandmas. Just normal grands, sorry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> just standard base evolution grandmas. 
Um, yeah, no, there wasn't. There was very few elderly people. Yeah. Uh, during this film, less elderly women. Yes. So that's that's a nun from so me today. Less women. Less women. Yeah, that is very um, true. Which is odd. Because these movies normally have lots of women. Yeah. yeah. And especially like wartime. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. In the war. Yeah. No, it's because we we're in factories and, and and engineers. Yeah. They just weren't allowed. Yeah, not until the actual the not actual war. Until yeah. actually, yeah. So no one yes. else. Anyway, uh, no grand. No grand. Moving so on. It's a zero for this one. Um, Ed, Ooh. talk to me about zero, like the plane. Like the plane. Oh. Oh. Um, Ed, talk to me about food. You give me. We got uh, three bits of food that I wrote down. Um, so, so if you don't give me just you, if you're listening for the first oh, time, yeah. why listen to this for the first time um, is where Ed mm-hmm. ranks uh, all the good food and all the good food giving me movies. Because there's a lot of it. It's a lot of it. Talk to me about the food in this movie, Ed. Okay, there wasn't much of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got um, the first bit of food I wrote down, which was like a third of the way in the film, was when he like rings out the water from a, like a damp shirt uh, for, yeah. someone to, for the girl to drink. He's counting that as food. Slim pickings. Slim pickings, Yeah, true. Well, you can't bark in one of those. Yeah, because someone ate it. If it goes in your mouth, it's food. Yeah. Uh, someone said the word donkey fist and you can't that, so I feel like. Yeah. Like, well, he could no, because he was describing some. Ah, drink right, yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. He didn't just say donkey fist. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it was a sponge cake. Two oh, yeah, that was the two scene two. we didn't touch upon. Ah, we tried yeah. to give it to that um, poor family and they didn't want it. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Um, and then there was obviously the bit with the bone, the natural bone, he calls the bone yeah. the fish. Which is very important, really. Yeah. So, yeah, so that is like basically and all the points. Oh, there's another bit. The big bowl of watercress. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jam yeah. Guy the press. I didn't even think of that like a small rabbit. I thought you thought like water from his like shirt was food. No, it's hard to keep notes, Jamie. So <laughs> <laughs> I've got one whole thing to think about. <laughs> um, Where are you putting it there, Ed? Come on. 11. Ele- Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. What's it better than? What's it worse than? I'll give you from 13 to 8. Yeah, do and that. I'll tell you where in that bunch it's going to be. This is madness. So 13 is Mononoke, which is Donkey Piss and Chewed Up Bark. Nice, nice. Number 12 was Whisper of the Heart with Whisper Sobrano. Of the heart. Yeah. Um, number th- 11 <laughs> now is I've just messed this whole thing up number 11 is now uh, this film with fish bones fish bones like important fish bones is why it places higher than anything below it yeah press. Um, and a good bowl of press actually yeah. that might no no <laughs> then just after that is number 10 which is cat returns which has the egg returns and nice mice because ah, they yes. had that big feast yeah um, nice where mice. like cats were eating like cat themed Food. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that was good. Um, um, then you got above that is Arietti with a tiny little hot drink and the cricket leg. Oh yeah, so yeah, that, oh, that's yeah. good. And just like seeing good food small. Yeah, good food small. Uh, um, and then uh, at number eight is Pompoco with loads and Libra Tempura. Oh so yeah, classic. So that's yeah, that makes sort of the surrounding items just to give you some context in, in the good list. Same company. Yeah. Uh, Considering so that most of the food from it isn't real, actually food. Yeah, exactly. pretty well. So, um, that's a good point. So, on that note, we've gone to the final rankings. Oh. Um, so, this is our 19th movie, but currently, 18th place on our final Ghibli rankings is Tales from Earthsea. Um. In 17th place, Ocean Waves. Okay, Ocean Waves. In 16th place, Porco Rosso. In 15th place, Laputa, Castle in the Sky. In 14th place, Only Yesterday. In 13th place, The Cat Returns. 
in 12th place, Arietti. In 11th place, Grave of the Fireflies. 10th place, Whisper of the Heart. 9th place, Ponyo. 8th place, Prop on Poppy Hill. 7th place, My Neighbor's The Yamadas. 6th place, My Neighbor Totoro. 5th place, Kika's Delivery Service. 4th place, Housewaving Castle. 3rd place, Pop Poco. 2nd place, Princess Mononoke. And still in 1st place, Spirit Away. Woo! Um, can someone throw, can you throw, throw, me, throw me a number, guys. Where are we feeling? 17. 17? Look at that. Whoa, spicy. Yeah. <gasps> I, look, I look up that list. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And there were so many other films I enjoyed. Yeah. So much more thematically, charactery. Charactery. Soundy. Yeah. Actually, no, the sound in this was very good. Very sound choice. Was it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's interesting. That is a shock. I think there's. What, what I've realised this time looking back at this list now is like, actually. Um, over time, so many of these films have like warmed, like I've warmed to them, give us some distance. Like when I look at this list now, apart from Earth, Sea, and Ocean Ways, I like all of these films. All of these films <laughs> are good films. Like I don't, I think putting it in 16th place it does not make this movie a bad movie. Like no. there's a lot here that like I think some incredible films on this list and some just really good movies. Like that actually looking back on that, I'm like, oh, we never thought like. Looking back at Whisper of the Heart or Only Yesterday, like uh, I think about Only Yesterday a lot, and it's 14th place on this list. I yeah. never think about Only Yesterday. I bet him. Is that one with Deb Patel in? We talked about that just a minute ago, yeah. Did we? Yeah. Yeah, it's got the dreams. Oh, see, that's how little, little I remember yeah. that film. But that's interesting, though. But, like, uh, for me, there's a lot of great films on this list. So I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I, so I don't think, like you say, I don't think putting it in. I was going to put it a lot higher. Really? Wow. Um, well, maybe not a lot higher. I was thinking about putting it above Ponyo. You're out Whoa! of your goddamn mind. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> above Ponyo. Not just yeah. above Ponyo. Above... She's a happy little fish. <laughs> She's a happy little fish just wants some salty ham. <laughs> above above Ponyo, above Whisper of the Heart, and above Grave of the Fireflies. Like yeah, that. and, and then, above And then I was like, oh, Grave of the Fireflies kind of the maybe the most similar in terms of like setting and yeah. story and then I was like actually Grave of the Fireflies had a, a lot better message and it was executed yeah. better but I just think it was it was made in such a better way and I don't know if that's because it was made only like a handful of years handful of years ago that's Ooh. a weird way of saying that I love it yeah um, so then on reconsidering I think it should go above Cat Returns so oh, you want to put because I really did I really did enjoy place. I really did enjoy Cat Returns. I barely remember only yesterday. Porco Rosso I think should have been higher like you, Ali. Um and the others were kind of a little bit forgettable. Laputa was not forgettable. Yeah. Laputa was not forgettable. Forgettable? Forgettable. Forgettable. But I think this was made a lot nicer. I think that like Abby said, the sound was really good and Opposite to what Abby said, I think a lot of the other things were just done a lot better mm. than the other ones on the list. I think it's interesting, so I think we've seen this a few times in like the way that you've ranked these movies. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I think you have, you, I think for animation wise, I think you respond really well to like some of the more recent, like crisper, like look. I thought you were going to be like, you respond to the brighter colours. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I think, but I think that's fair to say, so I get why. I think the animation this like obviously stands out to you as well like well yeah so, kind of I feel like some of the older ones like Kiki and stuff is still up there in yeah. terms of animation style I don't think it's purely because it's new I just think it was um, a lot tighter in terms of story which yeah even though towards the end it lost it a little bit oh I'm sorry I made a face at her 
Eddie, where do you reckon it should go? Um, I honestly anywhere in the list at all. No, <laughs> um, I I can see like why it would be between Ariete and Cat Returns, and I can see why it would be underneath Porco Rosso because I think of it as I mean, which doesn't help the situation, but I don't think it can go any in a, any other place. I think it either goes in that one. Yeah, I think it's. I don't I think, think it's it new can't. thirteen or new seventeen. Yeah. Okay, so who thinks it's better than Tales of FC? Me. All Me. of us. Better than Ocean Waves? Me. All of us? Yeah. Okay, uh, this is a confusing thing, isn't it? It's like, obviously, do we place it higher than Porco Rosso? Um, this is why I'm oh, I, I think... I would place it higher than Porco Rosso. I, I agree. I, I would put it above Caritans. I would put it above Arietti. No, I wouldn't no. put it above Arietti. Okay. They're very small. Do you remember how small? I didn't like Arietti. Anyway, um... I, I wasn't a big fan of Arietti, I don't think, in hindsight. No, they're tiny. So, who wants to who wants put it above Porco Rosso? Me. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I've changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to put it above Lapita? No. I do. <laughs> I enjoyed the characters more. Obviously, it wasn't as whimsical, but... Uh, Lapita mm. did seem very long. Very long. Really and long. this one, even though it was long, I don't think it dragged too much. I want to. I'll put it above Lapita. All right. All right then. Fine. Abby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So be sure. Um, above only yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. Above cat returns. Yeah. I'm above, above cat returns. Yes. So that's three out of four. Above Ariete. No. Yep. Oh no no sorry no 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 no. 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 Definitely not. Okay so there it is. Our new thirteenth place. The wind rises. Brother. Brother. Hiya. Um, what a lovely, lovely place. <laughs> so yeah. Right. There we go. There we, we go. It. I think that's a good. I mean, I, like we say, we, I think we've gone. There's a lot of these movies are like. It's been a journey. And I think they're in a plane. On a journey. Like I said, there are a lot of movies on the list, and I don't think by putting it in thirteenth place, we're kind of. Um, Saying it's bad or saying the movie's less than it are bad. Yeah. Um, yes. I think Mr. Miyazaki. There's a lot, a lot going on. Um, yeah, so we get Mr. Miyazaki. Um, like I said at the beginning, this is the last um, Miyazaki movie that we're going to do. Um, so that's interesting. Kind of wraps up that chapter in the, in the Ghibli. Ooh, as I said in the first episode. Um, I. Yeah, it's exciting. I think we've got two more now. Um, two more. When Marnie was there and Princess Kaguya, um, or Kaguya. I can never pronounce it. That's the first one. Um, so yeah, Princess Kaguya is our next. Um, they're both. So Princess Kaguya, also from 2013, is our next movie, and that um, is the last movie from the late great um, Isao Takahata. So that should be um, sad, no doubt, um, but exciting as well because again, it's not a movie that I've ever seen, and mm-hmm. lots of people um, really love it, and I think it's got a very interesting animation style. So excited to watch that next. So this is a, a new territory for all of us. Did you say you haven't seen it? Yeah, never seen it. Is this the... Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it. I was going to say it's the longest film. Is it really? Yeah. That's interesting. How long is that? 137 minutes. That's Whoa, interesting. So awesome. Maybe we'll watch it that. However, only just... Yesterday. Yesterday. No. It's the... It's got 100% Rotten Tomato. That's impressive. Ooh. So sure. just Spirited Away, isn't it? Uh, only yesterday is the only other one oh, on this yeah. list that has 100% Rotten Tomato. That's why I said only yesterday earlier. So yeah, really excited to see this movie, and that's our that will be our penultimate episode next week. Right. 
Um, so yeah, really exciting. Um, on that note, we'll say goodbye, and we'll see you soon. Because mm. uh, I think actually, <laughs> if I'm if my watch is correct, Ed, is my watch correct? Oh no, that's all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the, the small hand says cat, and the other bus is a question mark. <laughs> the other oh, the bus. bus. <laughs> yeah, the other bus. Abby, what bus is that? <laughs> oh. <laughs>